to the Hecate's Doorway podcast. Glad to have you all back here with us. <clears throat> Are we? Had a stretch. You had a stretch? Yes. Stretch your muscles for today's deep, hard-hitting, heavy episode. Again, ready for the hugs. The, the hugs. Send hugs. Gotta give receive the hugs. They're sending us hugs? Yes. Is that what you guys are doing now? Yes. That's how we get payment. Hugs. That's not how I want my payment. I want fucking money. <laughs> Too bad you're getting hugs. God damn it. So, we did something like this a little while ago. We talked about Urban Legends. Mm-hmm. But we thought we'd do another one because it was really fun. Yeah. This one is focusing specifically on Urban Legends from North America. We didn't cover all 50 states, but each one is from a different state. I'll start all of y'all off with Slaughterhouse Canyon from Kingman, Arizona. In the 1800s, a family lived at the base of Slaughterhouse Canyon, or Luan's Canyon, as it was also referred to as. The father of this family would leave for weeks at a time in search for work, food, or gold. But on one of his leaves, he never returned. His wife and their children were left to fend for themselves as they slowly starved day after day. The cries of the children could be heard echoing throughout the canyon. Man, I wonder how many kids he had. Did it ever say? It didn't say, but given this is like gold prospecting times, probably like eight. Oof. They, was, they, was, they had a lot of kids back then. In case one of them died, they had more. Or four of them. Yeah. Or in this case, maybe all of them. Ooh. Till one day when the mother could no longer handle hearing the screams, she murdered the children before taking her own life. Ooh, patricide. Alright, and that's my story. Small little. Yeah, there's, um... There wasn't much on it. There's a good mix of small and large. Some of them have some meat to get into, and others are pretty bare bones. Yeah. But that's why we did this little, little list format. Mm-hmm. Give you a little bit of both. And then, speaking of, uh more to dig into the next one we're going to talk about is uh both urban legend and possibly real Ooh, it's an urban legend and what i found about this urban legend is it seems to be somewhat inspired by a real person there's a few of these so mine is the dog boy out of uh quitman arkansas the legend of the dog boy may actually be more fact than fiction. The legend of the dog boy is nothing more than a werewolf-like spirit who walks the area of equipment. Uh, that's basically the, the urban that was legend. It? That's the urban legend part, is it's um, a werewolf spirit that just kind of stalks the area. But as I was looking into this, I found that a lot of people seem to say that this urban legend sprung out of one man who lived in the area. And to get into that, we need to go all the way back to 1954. Damn. When Floyd and Eileen Bettis had their first child, Gerald Bettis, according to residents of the area who were alive at the time. Gerald was a terrible child. He was an angry child who seemed to take that anger out on everyone around him. At first, animals. As it seems like everyone who becomes a total piece of shit, serial killers and all. Yeah. Residents of the area noticed that a lot of their pets would go missing. And that was because Gerald would take them and torture them in horrible ways. And by the time he was an adult, he was a 6'4", 300 pound beast of a man. 
Damn. Locals said he kept his parents, who were in their 70s by this time, locked in a room upstairs, allowing them to eat when he saw fit. Some said he would even beat his father, once throwing him out a window, leaving him hanging from the ledge till help arrived. Shit. His father died in 1981. Some say by illness, and others say by being pushed down the stairs. Hmm. Soon after, Eileen fell and broke her hip. Workers at the hospital witnessed Gerald's treatment of her, and she ended up in adult protective services, his mother's testimony, and the selling of marijuana out the back of his house led him to be arrested and sent to prison in the late 80s. And in 88, he would die of a drug overdose. Everyone who would live in the Bettis house would claim all kinds of paranormal events, from lights being turned on while no one was home, items being knocked out of place, to even an apparent apparition of a World War II soldier. Damn. And that's the legend of the dog boy, also somehow tied to the Gerald Bettis. Hmm. I don't quite know how the two were tied together, but everywhere I looked, trying to find more on the legend, yeah. he was... I mean, I, I guess people talked about him torturing the animals and shit, and then you know the boogeyman of the neighborhood just yeah. evolved into a werewolf of some kind. Interesting. Some of these are really weird. Like, you start off with a legend, and the legend's really small, and then it kind of explodes into just a whole-ass person. Cool, though. Yeah? All right. I think you're up next. Yep. What do you got for us, boy? I got the Dark Watchers of Santa Lucia, California. The Dark Watchers of Santa Lucia are described as tall, dark figures that stalk travelers through the Santa Lucia mountains. They're said to be featureless silhouettes often adored with a brimmed hat or walking stick. There's no trace of them within native folklore, but the earliest sightings date back to the Spanish settlers who dubbed them Los Vigilantes Oscuros, the dark the dark vigilantes, or the blind ones, either one, I don't know. That was pretty interesting. It was kind of a short one, but... Yeah, from that, those also remind me of, the, um, of those figures in uh, Super Mario Galaxy World. There's, um, so in the game, there's these, uh, in one of the worlds, I forget what world it is, but they, um, in the background, if you look up with Mario, you see these tall, dark figures that have nothing but, like, these white pupils that are looking down at you, and I forget what they're called, but they, um, all they do is stare at you. They don't do anything else. They don't move. They don't do anything other than just stare at you, and... A lot of people got freaked out because why would Nintendo put this in there? Nintendo does that a lot. Like with kid or with games that are at least mostly targeted towards kids and young adults. Yeah. They love to put the creepy things in there. Oh yeah. They're called um Hell Valley Sky Trees. They're called what? Hell Valley Sky Trees is the these things. They're on Shiver Star. That is actually kinda creepy. Yeah, that that does seem a lot like that. We're, oh Shiver Burn, my bad. Yeah. I can see that. I can also see this just being Spanish settlers watching, like, natives watch them at night. The natives are just like, I don't like these guys. This, yeah. This is kind of sus. And the natives are just look, or the the Spanish are just looking at them like, who the fuck are these guys? They're kind of creeping me out. <laughs> Could be. I try not to include too many, like, because there's a lot of urban legends that are either just about, like, tortured natives or just, like slightly racist interpretation of natives like a surprising amount of american urban legend and folklore <laughs> is just like there's there's one that i was going to include in this but i didn't 
uh, I can't remember exactly what it was called. It was like walking, walking something or whatever. Yeah. And the whole the whole urban legend just surrounds around a specific reservation, and just all the torment that the natives went through. It's like that's just depressing. Damn. Like I don't want to. I don't want to put too many. Not because I'm trying to like push aside that history, because that's that's history that everyone needs to know. Yeah. It's just really depressing. And after we covered child murder last episode, or not last episode, the episode before, we got to take a little break from the depressing. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll bring back more depressing shit next time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, which, Chase, maybe, I don't know yet. Yeah, no, I know I said Richard Chase would pretty much be this episode, but we had to push it back a little bit. Yeah. But it's coming. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. We're working on it. We're, we're... Definitely that and not. many other episodes. Oh yeah, we got we got a lot in the banks. This next one, this next one's kind of funny actually. I like this one. This one's really stupid. It's uh, it's called the Devil's Chair out of Casadaga, Florida, and apparently there's a lot of devil's chairs around the states and around the world. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. A devil's chair is basically, from what I found, like a haunted cemetery bench or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. And this one out of Florida feels kind of fitting for Florida, too. <laughs> so it's a short one, but... The Devil's Chair of Casadaga, Florida is a cemetery bench said to be haunted by the devil himself. And if you sit in this chair, he may whisper horrible things to you. Things so horrible, they change your life forever. <laughs> I wonder, what, what kind of things is he whispering? I just lowered your credit score down by 50 points. It's like, shit! Fuck! No! <laughs> My life is ruined! <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. The other thing about this devil's chair is it said, if you leave an open container of beer on the chair, it'll be gone the next morning. I wonder why! I wonder why if you leave beer out there, open or not, <laughs> that shit's gonna disappear. He does about to make someone as nice, what you did. I love how this interpretation of the devil is just like your terrible uncle. <laughs> like, if you sit next to him, he's just gonna chug beer and say horribly racist things to you. Like, no, uncle, no. Damn uncle, uncle, stop. Stop. We've been over this. Don't you dare put your hand in my pants. Don't go do that. I'm gonna stab you. Uncle Diddles, I'm a little too old for this now. <laughs> Alright, well, that was the devil's chair. <laughs> so next up, we have another one from Gabe. The Water Babies of Massacre Rock. Doesn't that sound lovely? It sounds great. From Pocatello, Idaho? I think it is Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah, I think so. The legend behind the Water Babies goes all the way back to the days of the Oregon Trail. There's two variations of this legend and both a Famine hits a group traveling or living in this area, and as the famine gets worse and worse, the people were forced to go down to the river and drown their babies as they were born. Fuck, okay. There's no other option? There is no other option. Like, seriously, there was... At least they didn't eat the babies. As far as we know. Oh, you'll find out. Fuck. The variations seem to be just that in some tellings. They're natives and in others, they're white settlers. The take your pick kind of thing. Yeah. But according to the legend, 
These babies sprouted gills and grew fins, turning them into something out of the out of the ghoulies. I just imagine they all uh. look like the toilet ghoulie. <laughs> Why? That's the first thing I thought of when I read that. Oh man. And survived off of small fishes. See, why couldn't the settlers survive off small fishes? Because they didn't turn into ghoulies. They should have. Yeah, that one was a weird one. Yep. Some people claim that they see the babies playing in the water. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's someone's drowned babies. Oh, look, it's the water babies. <laughs> you sure those aren't real babies drowning? Nah, babies don't go in the water. So, next one I have for you all. Is called the Green Clawed Beast in the Ohio River. Ooh. This one might be an alien. Dun, dun, dun. It might be. This one. This one's one of those uh, single-use cryptids, as I've heard them called. What? Yeah. There's such a thing? They're cryptids that have literally only been seen once. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, as the story goes, on August 14th, 1955. A lot of these are from the 50s. I'm just kind of gathering. A lot of shit happened in the 50s. Probably because they didn't understand how things worked and how nature works and whatnot. So they probably just interpreted it as supernatural. Yeah, I can see that. Friends Naomi and Louise were waiting in the Ohio River near Evansville, Indiana, when Naomi was pulled underwater by an unseen claw-like hand. Damn. The creature played a game of catch and release with her, letting her go to resurface only to pull her down again and again until Luis took her inner tube and moved it above the creature. And for some reason that stopped it. What? I, I guess it got distracted by the inner tube and they... Shiny. I guess. Sometime later, a man claiming to be an Air Force colonel came to <laughs> Naomi's home only to tell her to never speak of the incident again. But yes, Very she did. Men in black. Oh, she did, yeah. But since then, there's never been another sighting. She's the only person to see. Granted, she didn't really see anything. Yeah. She just knows that the hand had claws and it felt furry. Think she had scratches on her legs? Probably. I couldn't find too much. She didn't. I mean, I think this guy scared her out of talking about this for quite a while. Damn. I mean, if I was dragged underwater like eight times and then like hours later some dude came to my house like, don't you ever tell anyone about this ever again? I'd be like, yeah, okay, dude. Sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. good. I don't want to remember this. No. I don't know why it's called the green clawed creature though because there's no mention anywhere in any of the stories that its claws are green. I guess someone just made it up I just guess. to make it sound better. It's an urban legend, so that's probably true. Yeah. Can't say it's a claw creature. The green claw. There are probably other claw creatures, so they can't just call it a claw creature. There's blue claw and purple claw. And red claw. Alright, my turn. The Rougarou is a shape-shifting werewolf-like creature, often described as having the body of a human and the head of a wolf or dog. In Louisiana, it's made its home in the swamp lands of St. John's Parish. The name itself comes from France as the term of the wolfman, the loop guru. Loop guru. Loop guru. Loop guru. Loop guru. That sounds too upbeat to be some urban legend's name. Some legends of the area state that the beast that the beast hunts down cassocks who break Lent. Oh shit! So a lot of people that 
A lot of people. <laughs> Other legends say that the Rougarou is under a 101 year curse brought on by a witch or a voodoo priestess. It is said that to protect itself, you can lay 13 small objects in front of your door because the Rougarou forgot how, how to count past 12. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's got to count everything as before he enters. One, two, three, eleven, twelve. Shit. What comes Shit. past twelve? He's just sun comes up, he's still trying to figure it out. <laughs> God damn it. I'm just gonna go away. You win this time, bitch. Fuck you. Hand him thirteen shells. Wait before you kill me, count these shells. Oh, okay. I just stole them on the ground. Kinda like that myth with vampires and counting rice. Who comes up with this? I don't know. Ooh, rice on the ground. One, two, three. Wait, is that one a piece of I that one a piece of dirt? Oh, this one's a buttworm. Nope, can't have those. Maybe that's where the Sesame Street Sesame Street count came from. <laughs> Bobby. Right, we're getting some deep lore in this episode. Ooh. Alright. Well, my next one is the Puckwudgies. Puckwudgies. Puckwudgies come from Delaware and Wampanoag folklore. They're described as two to three feet tall humanoids with porcupine spikes on their back. They can disappear at will and shapeshift. If you annoy a Pukwudgie, it is said they'll follow you everywhere you go, causing you bad luck and misfortune. Can they shoot those porcupines? The, the quills off the back of the porcupines? I'm gonna go on a limb here and say since they can turn invisible and change shape, it's not out of the wheelhouse to say they can shoot their porcupine spikes. I'm just gonna kill someone. They, you're gonna find out they like killing people. Oh shit. Pukwudgies are known to kidnap people, push them off cliffs, stab at them with small knives and spears, and use sand to blind their victims. Pocket sand. They're the inventors <laughs> of pocket sand. Oh, not the pocket sand. So they seem like just mischief-causing forest gnomes. Sound like the kappa. The kappa? Uh, creatures from, um, uh, yokais from Japan. They're like, they're about four feet something or another. They have, they look like ducks mixed with the turtle. With a weird, like, um, patch of, with a weird leaf going around that, around their head that looks like almost like a hat. They're, uh... They're blamed for everything from small mischievous to people going missing and kids drowning. Every culture has tiny people who do horrible things. Don't piss off a short person. Never piss off short people. Apparently you know not. the rule. I, I As know a the short rule. person, don't piss me off. <laughs> I will drown you. <laughs> you piss me off while drowning in the river. So or I'm going to steal your, all your left shoes. I'll steal your shit. I'll just, no, not even, I'll just steal all your left shoes, and then that last pair, I'll steal a pair, but then replace it with a different pair. Ooh, that's evil. That hasn't been broken in yet. Have you been taking notes from Terry the Gnome? Maybe. That's where you've been all this time. Maybe. My next one is Zombie Road. Our next story comes to us from Wildwood, Missouri, called Zombie Road. Road. Take me home. Zombie Road is a nickname of an old railway in Missouri. The story that goes that gives this place its name is a story of the zombie killer. 
a man who was said to live in an old shack on the railways and would attack young couples looking for a place to be alone. One story of a ghost uh, who haunts the area after being hit by a train may come from more than just myths. Della Hamilton McCullough was the wife of a local judge who was hit by a train in 1876. She's the only official report of anyone being hit by a train thus far, so the ghost of Zombie Road may be the ghost of Della. And like most American hauntings, there's plenty of talk of Native American burial grounds that probably got disturbed. So there's that too. The Native American burial ground thing always kind of irks me. Yeah, I can see why. Because, like, you st- not to go on another tangent about racism, <laughs> but you see it a lot in horror where, like, Native Americans are always, like, the focal point of, like, spooky shit. Like, everyone seems to think that Native Americans curse everything and they always come back as malevolent spirits, which, I mean, obviously isn't true. <laughs> the one thing about the zombie road, the zombie killer, I could not find anything without like probably doing some super 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 deep diving into why there was a story about someone called the zombie killer because there's nothing about why he was called the zombie killer yeah only thing i can assume is maybe he like ate people but yeah i just like the name of that one yeah and our last one for this episode is the legend of cropsy from stanton island cropsy yeah this one there's a couple in both in all this that I I took some out of because I was like this will make a whole episode, and I wanted to touch on Cropsy, but I also kind of want to do a full episode on it. Is it that long? Or is it that deep? It's kind of interesting, and we'll we'll talk more about it towards the end. Okay. The initial initial story I have is kind of small, just because I didn't want to give too much away because I do want to do a an episode on Cropsy. Okay. Cropsy was said to be an escaped mental patient who lived in the abandoned Willowbrook Mental Institution. Like most boogeyman of urban legend, he was said to kidnap children at night and had a hook for a hand or carried an axe with him. Though a real man was associated with the legend, Andre Rand, in 1988, Rand was convicted of kidnapping and first-degree murder of Jennifer Schweiger? Schweiger. Schweiger. I I think it's like Schweiger. He was sentenced to prison for 25 years. There's a whole list of other missing and deceased children who this man is associated with. Apparently, he's been seen around all of these, um, all these children. And yeah. a lot of people think he's the the uh, the reason they all went missing, yeah. along with this one. Though there's another side of the story where a lot of people think that he's just a scapegoat. Because I think he was like... Not all there, and especially you know, back in the 50s, 60s, all the way up until even today, people who are just not quote-unquote mentally normal yeah. are always blamed for something or looked at differently. Yeah. And that's kind of why I want to do a bit of a deeper dive on this because, I don't know, I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I can this, see why. This guy could be a fucking child murderer. This guy could be a scapegoat for missing children, hmm. like the fucking West Memphis 3. Uh, sad Memphis three. Yeah. Another one we're gonna do a deep dive on. Yep, but that one just pissed Brandon off. That pisses me. I think I ranted about this a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah you it did. Pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> All right. I think that's the last one for this episode. 
that's the end of part one. We're going to do two parts. My bad. Just because. Yeah. We're having fun with this because I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. So we're yeah. trying to crank out some um, crank out some good stuff before I leave. Well, what are you t- we're, we're not doing this all in one day. No way. No. no. We're, we're doing no. This is no. spam of a week. A week's worth done in two days. We're definitely not going to record like five episodes in one day. <laughs> no. No. Now we're doing it in two. <laughs> two days. Got to be prepared. Got a lot of Red Bull and pizza. <laughs> Oh, God, I can't wait for that pizza. Oof. All right, so that's where we'll end today's episode. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, thank you. If you have any questions, any comments, concerns, finger gestures of anything, hit us up on Twitter. On Hecate underscore podcast. Uh, You can also email us at hecatesdoorwaypod at gmail.com. Make sure to comment if you can comment wherever you're listening rate us wherever you're listening five stars only yes yes none of this four star bullshit kitty never mind my cat making noises behind us he's just it's okay it's the end of the podcast yeah it's the very end uh uh let's see anything else no no not for now no okay we'll cut this one short thank you all for listening thank you Hit us up on anything and everything. I'll put all of our links in the show notes. Yep. As well as our Patreon. Patreon. Pay us. Pay us, please. <laughs> Just kidding. Brandon, we're not cheap fuckers. I am. Okay, we are. <laughs> well, he'll say it, everyone. Listen to me.